I'm Chelsea Howe. I'm Sunblink's Chief Product Officer. I joined about halfway through development of Hello Kitty Island Adventure. I've been doing design, product, UX, all sorts of different work in the games industry for over 10 years. The background in mobile, free-to-play, IP adaption, um, and kind of coziness uh, in general, <laughs> and how to do free-to-play and live services in a way that creates long-lasting relationships with players. Awesome. And that kind of, that goes really well into my first question, which with what is some of the the fun and also some of the difficulties that comes into adapting an IP, but more specifically with something like uh, Hello Kitty Island Adventure, you have an IP that isn't necessarily uh, one linear story, um, but has different memories that fans attribute to the very many different Sanrio characters. Definitely. Um, I think attributing or, you know, Translating an IP into game mechanics is actually incredibly fun for me. I find a great amount of delight in like discovering that Rosetta Stone because it really winds up being kind of digging down to the underlying values of the brand and then figuring how can you evoke those feelings or, you know, get across that ethos through mm -hmm. the systems, the economy, the quest lines, kind of all of that. Um, and for me, it's always, it's always much more than narrative anyway. Um, I think narrative is is important for IP that does come with a narrative, but more fun for me is, you know, Hello Kitty Sanrio is all about friendship and inclusivity and their motto is, you know, small gift, big smile. And so if you look at our game, like the, the kind of backbone mechanic of progression in our game is by building up friendships and you do that by gifting and it unlocks new stories and new abilities and new ways to explore and, uh, I, I found that very, very enjoyable, figuring out how to bring friendship and inclusivity and in, not just in terms of the narrative, but like the things you're doing and the ways that you kind of move through this fantastic world. And I think when you talk about inclusivity, Sanrio as a brand, as, as an IP is, is iconic, I feel like doesn't encompass the ways in which Hello Kitty and her friends have moved through the world of pop culture. Um, but there are going to be some people who still maybe haven't engage with Hello Kitty in a very tactile way. When I was growing up, there was a little animated series that I got to watch. There really hasn't been much that has come out in way of that. What is it like to kind of be people's first Hello Kitty memory? I don't know if that question makes sense, but like you with Hello Kitty Island Adventure, y'all are able to kind of craft what it feels like to be in the Sanrio world for people, sometimes for the first time. Um, can you explain how you feel being part of that legacy? It's like a huge responsibility and honor, like first and foremost, like, of course, you know, when they said they were making, you know, a Hello Kitty game that was, you know, a bit of Breath of the Wild and a bit of Animal Crossing, I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. Like, <laughs> that's the games I love and who hasn't kind of heard of Hello Kitty. But I do think one thing very, very special about this game that we've created is that you're going to get to actually engage with these characters in a way that most people never have, right? There's yeah. never been a Sanrio game like this. You've never been able to go in and like talk to the characters and gift them and get to know them and play their stories. Um, and I think that's that's special, not just for people who are new to the brand, but even for existing fans, right? Mm -hmm. So much of Sanrio is through these, like you're saying, like these short, fantastic little glimpses into their world. But this is the first time where you really get this kind of sustained envelopment in the world of, you know, Hello Kitty and, and all of her various friends. 
moving off of that, I think that there's also something really beautiful about building a game for all ages and all level, like, you know, that inclusive piece that you talked about at the beginning. What goes into balancing gameplay features and mechanics for um, all ages in a sense that somebody who's really young can understand it while there can still be um, a, a little bit more immersion for somebody who's a little bit older? Definitely. I think for us, it was really important to have the depth there for the people who wanted it and to provide shortcuts and opt-outs for the people who didn't. So like one of our examples is, is the haunted house. It's something that you encounter relatively early on in the game. And it's the first, um, it's the first kind of introduction of slightly more traditional adventure type gameplay. Um, and Karomi, who loves spooky things, is there alongside you. And if you're stuck trying to get through a different room in the in the haunted mansion, you can just go to Karomi and she'll help you get through it. You can literally just say, hey, can you solve this for me? And Karomi's like, I got you, bestie, right? <laughs> um, and gives you that way to, to progress and to continue to enjoy the world uh, without necessarily needing to engage in something that is, you know, beyond what you want to take on. Mm -hmm. um, moving off of that, I remember in the preview, there was, we got to see that that top-down map that showed how big the, the world of Hello Kitty Island Adventure is. And it's a little bit unique in this, go, this cozy game type to see, one, the expansive uh, diversity of landscapes that you get to go, go into, uh, the diversity of characters that you get to interact to with on uh, varying levels, but also there's an underwater biome. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the importance of making such a robust landscape, but also like underwater? I haven't, I have not so, seen a cozy game do underwater. <laughs> it was so cool. It was so cool. Like that was part of what sold me. Um, I got to play a very early gameplay demo and it involved kind of wandering around the initial area. And then there was an opportunity to get some of the first glimpses of underwater. And that was before we had like the stunningly gorgeous shaders that the art team has created and all of the nice lighting effects and everything like that. And it was still the coolest thing in the context of a game like those cozy Sims to have that depth, to have that breaking of a normally quite rigid boundary, right? Um, I'd never seen a game that lets you dive under and lets you explore like that uh, because we were trying to merge that open world adventure genre with the cozy Sim having that lack of boundary was was kind of critical to honoring the open world half um, of the game. So uh, yeah, and then like what the art team did to it continues to just like fascinate me. There's something about like the softness of being underwater and the charm of like the mermaids, like getting to see my melody as a mermaid and getting to see Bats Maru as a mermaid was just like, this is so cool. And <laughs> I don't think we've shared this yet, but whatever. The To turn into a mermaid yourself, it uses our outfit system. So you actually get these kind of mermaid scale oh, wow. pants, which means that it works with our dye system. So you can actually yeah. like customize like your mermaid tail basically. And I, I don't know why I found that so incredibly charming and magical, but I think it is because no one's ever fused genres quite like this before. And it winds up feeling a little bit more free than the normal cozy Sims and yet a little bit more approachable and accessible and homier than yeah. your kind of traditional open world adventure game. 
One of the other things that I've always loved as a, as a, I don't know if you can tell, I, I'm a very big fan of Sanrio and then I have, I, and everything from Hello Kitty to Kuromi and Baditz and Kropi. Um, there's such a diversity of character within the IP itself. Um, you have spooky characters, you have grumpy characters, you have cute little cinnamon rolls like cinnamon roll, and you have, you know, a whole plethora of, um, I guess, aesthetics that kind of accompany them. Uh, what went into crafting this experience from that um, that personalization or that customization side to allow fans who may have different aesthetic choices themselves to kind of fit into the different worlds? Definitely. So we looked a lot. I don't know if you're familiar with Sanrio's like annual character rating, right? <laughs> so we spent a lot of time kind of looking at that and then listening to the things that people loved about kind of those top characters. And I think that told us a lot about who's in the fan base and what people are excited about. So, you know, we've got the little twin stars who are all about pastel rainbows and twinkling, beautiful twilight themes. And so we got clothes for that. And we, you know, saw a bunch of people who are very into like, that's Maru, who's a little more urban, a little more edgy, a little bit more, you know, uh, yeah, a little more attitude. And so we were like, okay, we want to get like clothes to kind of honor that and that you could imagine someone skateboarding around with. Um, you've got Hello Kitty, who is just, and My Melody, who both have just like sweetness and pink and these kind of like bright colors. And we we really just let the, the characters kind of guide us. And it's like, what would you want to see in a world alongside these very different, you know, characters? And I think, you know, our art director, Brandon Morris, created this style that can take all of those very different personalities um, and and make them feel harmonious, um, which I think just, again, our art team blows me away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My last question is choosing uh, Apple Arcade as the, the home for uh, for Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Um, can you dive into that choice a little bit? And also the fact that it is a free-to-play game, which really lowers that accessibility, that cost bar that I don't think a lot of people think about sometimes of, of getting to get that barrier that is there for getting into games. Um, can you talk a little bit about those choices? So Apple Arcade made so much sense for this kind of game. Um, they're no micro microtransactions, no ads, but still allow you to do the kind of consistent ongoing living world type of, of game development. And that gave us huge freedom to focus more on the characters and the stories and the world and the richness and to not be bound so tightly to, well, what are people going to pay for and how are we going to trigger their need to make a microtransaction? So it's, it's live services without free-to-play microtransactions, right? Um, and that was, was basically a dream come true. It also really fit into the idea that Sanrio is all about this kind of, you know, friendship, family-friendly, arcades all about being family-friendly. It is all ages. Um, and it just, it let us make this game. Like, I don't think we could have made this same game if we had been on mm-hmm. a platform where, you know, free to play or microtransactions was the the dominant model. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I guess actually the real last question is what do Keep you coming. want? <laughs> <laughs> what do you want people to take away after they, they, they play the game? So their first play session, they've sat down, they've gotten into the world. What do you want them to walk away feeling? I want them to feel like 
warm and excited, right? Excited for all of the possibility, excited to build out their friendships. And also just like they've got a little dose of sunshine, right? Like Hello Kitty's world is charming. It is heartwarming. It is wholesome. And I hope that it's just a little opportunity for people to immerse themselves in that and yeah, get their little dose of happiness for the day. (laughs) 